episode 85 three in a row seven days apart we're all grown up we're on a schedule and we're keeping it it's good to be back kyle bailey roman harper it's the uh ocho cinco of episodes so you just tipped your hand uh, yeah i did all right i did you're right um for those that don't know they call that a tease they did well i ruined it as you just <laughs> said uh episode 85 I mean, we can call it the ocho cinco of episodes as a nod to chad johnson but then also nominate other 85s. I think that's the way we could go about doing it. No, it's fine. I mean, uh, so who's I, your 85? I'm though? going with a different one anyway. I'm going with Jack Youngblood. That's a bad name. Man. Number it's one, badass name. he has probably the top three to five all-time badass names in professional sports. Yep. Uh, Youngblood. I mean, who doesn't want Youngblood? Like, <laughs> that's awesome. That's man. one of the conspiracies. Yeah. You know, it's one of the conspiracies, right? No. That the global elite. Yeah, come on, man. You got to dig a little deeper into QA not. <laughs> but, um, no, that's one of the conspiracies, that the global elite, they're part of a, a trafficking operation to, you know, get the young blood of children, to, you know, to keep themselves young and live forever. That's a conspiracy, for this, sure. This is, this is I how think that's st- a tie to Pizzagate, too. Is, is, this is where we're going? This is where we're going <laughs> early. Uh, you said it. I, I just said you brought up Jack Youngblood, which is a great 85. Great 85. But then you said, you know, it's all about who doesn't want that young blood. And I'm like, oh, conspiracy theory. I, I got it. It's, it's all right. It's my, it's my, one of the neurons in my brain fired straight to conspiracy theory. Clearly it did. They, they're all connecting on your side <laughs> of the table. Just want you to know that. On your side only. <laughs> only on my side. <laughs> all right. Defense in for the Rams. Uh, Los Angeles Rams, uh, he was uh, played 14 seasons, too, from the 70s and 80s. Five-time consensus All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler, uh, played at the University of Florida, was also an All-American. Uh, for me, also, I'd like to give a shout-out. I don't know if I'm taking your, your stilo, but no. uh, shout-out to Antonio Gates. Yeah, you stole it, yeah. It's okay. Yeah, oh, my bad. Oh, oh, go yeah. ahead. You can No, it's out. fine. We're on like I, I really enjoyed uh, having to – when I had to guard him and, and go against him, really great competitor. Um, Phenomenal career for a guy who never played it down to college football. Man, it, uh, the thing I was so impressed with Kyle is like how he was always – he was very slick in his routes. Wasn't real fast, caught everything. Really good quarterback play behind him, which most anybody, if they have to put up numbers, have a good quarterback. And um, just really enjoyed competing against him. He was a really good player uh, for a very long time. On the Mount Rushmore of tight ends, yes or no? I mean, you got to go Ozzie Newsom one because yeah. he's like – the original. Yeah. Uh, then you got Tony Gonzalez. Um, who else is out there? Uh, Kellen Winslow Sr. Ahead of Gronk? Okay, Gronk's up there. Gronk's up there, right? I just, that was just. Is Travis Kelsey on the Mount Rushmore of tight ends? Mm, when it's all said and done, he probably will be. We're running out. I mean, you only get four spots. So. That's it? That's it. So that means Kel- uh, uh, Ozzie Newsom. Now, is Tony- that because he went to Alabama? I have to ask. No, it's because he's like the original. It's he like, is, it's, look, it's like George Ozzie Washington. Like, George Washington, bro. He's up there. Like, it's like, I mean, what did George Washington do? I'm like, I don't really know. But he's the first, so he got to go. I don't know if that works or not, but I love the fact that you went to George Washington. God, I love that. It's like, dude. It doesn't hurt that Ozzie was one of the greatest GMs of all time either, right? I'm going as tight end. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying, but I think he just strengthened his whole overall football Everything. guy acumen. Everything. And prowess because he was also just a phenomenal general manager. Correct. He, he's impacted the game more than any other tight end. Yeah, okay. Uh, just like whatever. And you got him. Then you got Tony Gonzalez because uh, he's got all the records. Yeah, yeah. And, and then from there, you know what I mean, uh, I guess Gronk would be up there because he was so good. And, you know, then so I was at three, so I only get one more. Yeah, 
Yeah, good luck with that. That's Tight really end's tough. tough, dude. That is really tough. Because honestly, dude, I mean, the one that I love, in all honesty, is the one that got hurt and just didn't finish it off. But Jimmy Graham, for about a stretch of about five years. Well, he's back now. I know, right? It's like, it's like, but Jimmy Graham, for about five years, bro, was like, Legit unstoppable. <laughs> so, so when somebody, I think it was Smoke, told me like a couple of months ago, he was like, "You're never gonna believe this, but Jimmy Graham just signed with the Saints." And I looked at him, and I was like, "Like a one day? Like to retire? Like what? Do you, <laughs> know, like, right? what, what do you mean? A one day? It's like you mean like a one day to like you know just <laughs> yeah, formalize yeah. it or some shit?" And yeah. he was like, "No, he's gonna play." And I was like, "Football? He's still playing?" And then I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh, Jimmy's not that old." He's not as old as I thought he was. No, and you know, damn, lot, he was. I mean, Jimmy lot, was effective. A lot of injuries. Once he left the Saints, him and Drew, you know, he didn't. He never found another quarterback that was so good with him with Drew. But still, still a great conversation to be had because yeah. talking about his like just talent, like six seven, can run, was a basketball player, so they had the same mindset. He, and, he, he was hooping hoop. on a football field. Antonio Gates like, but Antonio Gates is like six four. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Jimmy's yeah. like six seven and some change. That's that's a difference. It's a total different that's LeBron rebound. Size. Yeah, total different rebound. That's LeBron so, size. And so, and you know, Tony Gonzalez was big like that as well. Tony Gonzalez, a former basketball player. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, but he was like six five, six six. So just continue to get bigger and bigger. You know, and now you got really great tight ends in the game too. Uh, in today's game, another number eighty five in George Kittle. Who, who could uh, be talked about, and of course Travis Kelsey, who we may discuss in a couple. Weeks. We may discuss. We may weeks. or may not discuss. By the way, to, to wrap up eighty-five, shout out to uh, Panthers legend and Hall of Honor member Wesley Walls. Oh yeah, another great tight end. Yeah, very good. Good golfer too. Yeah. So um, shout out to Ole Miss, the Re- uh, well, I can't say the Rebels. I guess the Land Sharks now. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, we oh yeah. Yeah, we don't do racism on this show. Oh, we don't. I mean. Not even comedic racism. Sometimes uh, I think we do comedic racism. Of course ra- we do. Sometimes we do comedic racism. Oh, God, somebody just clutched their pearls when they heard that. Um, but perfect segue into the Panthers. Let's get that shit out of the way. Um, they stink. <laughs> so, Kyle. Well, you told me, you tell me all the time. Like, <laughs> the first four weeks of the season don't matter. Like, you're figuring out your identity. You know, you're figuring this out. But you always end it with, you know, unless you're 0-4. Like, you always say that. Cause, like, unless you're 0-4, that's pretty shit. Because 0-4, you can't come back from. Statistically, nobody's done it. No. No. I started out on one team that started out 0-4. And then we came back <laughs> and won four straight. So, we're 4-4. Four four. But we still went back to kind of like our 0-4 start eventually. Like, you can get hot, you can get cold. Oh, yeah. It's just really hard to maintain. And you didn't make the playoffs. No, we did not make right. the playoffs. Right. We, we barely missed nine it. or something that year? Mm, I forget what it was. Okay. But it was, uh, it was just one of those seasons. I'm just where, guessing because y- y'all, like, had a mi- y'all had a whole bunch of 7-9 and nine seasons in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was like 7-9 like like, <laughs> and nine every, or 9-7 and seven every other year. Yeah, right? it was. It, and, and then when we weren't the 7-9 and nine or – Whatever that was, they think it was like seven and nine. A lot think, of seven and nine. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, when that, then we were like good and in the playoffs. Yeah. So, I just know it's very hard to kind of get out of that. And then, man, dude, just like winning is contagious, losing is oh, contagious. Oh man. And and I say that not like anybody's gonna get sick from it, but just like bad teams find ways to lose games. Like you just look up and you're like, dude, how do we lose that game? Even versus Minnesota, kind of were in control. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, fumble, scoop. It's like, I was, you know, you're losing, which I had, I had, you know, I mean, 
I got to be honest. I had Jefferson at wide receiver. Of so course you did. When he when he caught that tutty, I was kind of excited. You have become a low-key <laughs> fantasy football nut job in, the, in a way that I never saw coming. Dude, I'm such a football purist, too. I don't too. even think I, you were so playing anti. fantasy football like five years ago when I met you. I don't even think you no, were playing No, I've only played two years, Kyle. Last year and this year. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. Dude, people keep asking me to play every year, and I'm like, mm -mm, Don't I'm do good. it. I'm not you, playing. You I'm find good. yourself rooting against players that you naturally would not even care about. Right. You know what I mean? To win this weird game, this yeah. mashup of players doing That's different it. things all over the league. Yeah, no. That's it. I, I get it, though. I get it. against Geno Smith last night for no darn reason. Although I did, not to get too far off on a tangent here, I did see that uh, fantasy football numbers are dropping in states now where uh, gambling's legal. You know, overall fantasy football participation is dropping in a lot of places where we're scratch that itch another way. I mean, but that's the thing. For there are a lot of us that have been like that. For me, I've just always been wired more towards gambling than playing fantasy football. Yeah. You get the immediate gratification of winning a bet. That's it. You know what I mean? That's what I want. I mean, I only do it so I can talk shit with most of my boys. It. I so understand all right. It. Let's finish Back off this Panthers. Panthers. All right. Losing is contagious. I get all that. But man, Winning in football in the NFL, you're never really like that far off. It's probably not as clean as you want. It's probably not as bad as you think it is. It's usually somewhere in the middle, whether you win or lose. And so you got to continue to wrap your head around that. I, I, I would definitely look – I just look at this Panthers team, and I'm like, what is their identity? I don't think they have one. So is it just playing really tough – defense, running the football, being this physical team, then, like, be that. Is it going to be we want to try and showcase our, our starting number one overall quarterback, throw the ball a little bit more? All right, be that. Um, but you can't always teeter on back and forth because when you're back and forth, you're like the leaf in the wind and you blow anywhere that the, the wind takes you and you truly aren't set in stone in anything and who you are. And so um, that's got to be a really tough position to be in when you don't know who you are and you're trying to – and also, who are the leaders on this team? Mm, one of them's in a contract dispute, and he's not happy right now. So I don't know how – you know. and again, I'm not questioning Brian Burns' character when I say this, but I watched his reaction to a question yesterday about how these losses are weighing on him. And, I mean, he just couldn't have looked more unhappy. And he's like, mm, that ain't good. And he just kind of stood – and it's like, you know, you got that but, going on. But if on. I'm him – and he just he didn't play I well. I don't even know if I want my contract done now that the season started. I want to just go ball and, and freaking get paid and tell y'all to kiss my grits. Which he didn't do on Sunday, and that's the problem, is that yeah. a lot of people like Brian it, it, Burns. It's, too, it's, it's starting to affect the game. Yes. You got to at some point be like, look, sh shelf all that. Shelf it. And let me go ball, and then I'm going to go get my money. I, yeah. only, I ain't asking you to give it to me no more. I'm going to go get it myself. Because everybody else is going to want me so bad by the time this thing is done, I'm out of here. And so that's what you got to do because the only real leverage you have outside of balling is other teams' interest. So you just got to go eat at this point. I would tell them to put up the contract talk, say, I don't even care anymore. Like, sure. just the middle of the season at this point. At this point, absolutely. And you I think know what I mean? I think that's what they've done. Good. Um, but it's always there in the backdrop. I mean, you know, you were a professional athlete, you played in the NFL, you're in contract years. You know, you find yourself in a position where, okay, you always want to play well, but you've got money up for grabs now, right? So you want to play well. 
And overall, once again, you know, you've got a new coach. They spent all this money on Frank Reich and Thomas Brown. And, you know, Evero, credit that guy and that defense on Sunday. Like, Burns did not have a great individual day, but that defense fought. They held the second-rated passing offense in the NFL to 14 points offensively. I mean, those – and they did it without J.C., without Shaq, um, without Xavier Woods, one of their starting safeties. I mean, they, they, they did some good work on Sunday defensively. But the offense against a terrible defense – not only couldn't score, Minnesota's defense outscored Carolina's offense. They, they, I mean, Carolina didn't score an offensive touchdown on Sunday and in a couple of red zone trips, you know, scored three points. Like, that's – it's awful. It, it, that's – and let me show you this, too. I know you haven't seen well, this yet. it stinks because it's even Actually, more I'm, under I'm, a microscope, Kyle, would be the word I would use. And that's because you hired an offensive coach. So you thought. So it was like that was like what they were going to get better at. And then you bring in a really sharp, bright defensive coordinator to kind of continue to shore up that side. So I, I think that's the thing that, that, that maybe people are even more disappointed in. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it, it's just – it's got to be frustrating. Um, well, and you, it's already opened up the floodgates of the Bryce criticism, you know, for the people that want to say he's too small, he was the wrong pick, he's a bust, he's this, he's that in three starts but then you start to watch the tape again and I what I just sent you a second ago also ties into this conversation we'll talk about that in a second but you know Bryce was seven of ten intermediate throws on Sunday you know 10 to 19 yards through some dots man and um you know it had was five of 17 on those same throws in his first two starts so he's already showing progress you know people he's too small well why hasn't he had a single ball batted down at the line of scrimmage yet and why is he eating over the middle of the field when he is having success well so that's what I noticed out of him in college he did get one batted down yesterday in the red zone. Uh, did he? Yeah, he got hit off somebody's hand uh, okay. kind of early. It's okay. It happens. I mean, dude, they're professionals. Like, No, no, no. It's fine. I, I, I must have missed that thing. Yeah, everybody that. gets a, a ball batted down every now and then. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It happens right. all the time. But you would think for a guy who's way too small to play in the NFL, it yeah. would be happening much more frequently. But he does a great job of completing passes in between the hash marks, Yes, in my opinion. That's percent. what I thought. That's what he did extremely well at Alabama in college, watching him all those years. So... Um, I, I, I haven't watched the individual tape hard enough to be able to be like, this is like what it, they're really missing, that key ingredient. I don't know. But, man, outside looking in, it looks very, very frustrating when they're not running the ball extremely well. Have they hit 100-yard rusher? Uh, they, they ran for like a buck 60 against yeah, Atlanta I'm, I'm in week one. I'm talking about an individual. Oh, uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, like – these things need to start to materialize at some point. And because I thought this team was going to be a run team. We all did. They're going to run the ball. You know, we're going to be physical. We're going to take care of Bryce. Let him throw it some. Continue to let him warm this thing up. And it just hasn't been that. And then you bring in Andy Dalton out in Seattle, and he throws the ball like 50 times. So I'm like, who is this team? Yeah. Who is this team? Yeah. And then we get back, and I was like, oh, we got it. And we just don't know. The identity, the true identity of this team. I think that's one of the more um, unfortunate things about this team, Kyle. And like I said since day one, I was off the bus, okay? I was off it, all right? They, they brought, brought you me, back. They brought me back when they drafted Bryce, all right? They bought me off. I'm in, but it's still frustrating. And then when you don't have a home field advantage, because that's all I'm hearing about, is how it, it's more fans of other teams, which – I'm just being honest. This does not happen everywhere. This only happens in select places. Man, it happened to Green Bay the other night. 
Detroit Lions fans infiltrated Green Bay. Yeah, that's because they started to lose, and then. <laughs> but that's but isn't that but, always but true? Detroit fan? No, no, no. Detroit fans start to come down as Green Bay fans start to leave. It's not like that early in the game at Green Bay. Yes, There's, it was. The other the, night it was. I don't believe it. There's no I'll way. I'll show it to you There's because no everybody way. was stunned about it. Because it usually, you're right, doesn't happen in Green doesn't Bay. Doesn't happen in Lambo. There are a few places where I'm with Buffalo, happen. Pittsburgh. I think uh, New Green Orleans Bay. does not let would, other people I would get tend in. to agree with that, hey, absolutely. Pittsburgh, I, I don't know about Baltimore either. But I've seen it all over the league. I mean, the Rams, of course. I mean, they get. Uh, oh, the Rams, of course. Like, that's L.A. That's L.A. Totally. The, the, Tampa. No Tampa's another team that has a lot Houston of people come in. gets infiltrated all the time. Houston gets infiltrated. Miami infiltrated all the time. All the time, right? Yes, all so these the, places. These are warm weather cities mostly with other things to do. And if you're not good, they're Las not coming Vegas. to see you. Las Vegas. Yeah, if you're not good, they're not coming to see you. Thousand I think New percent. Orleans is different because of Katrina and because of that, you know, the, the bond with the community. And yeah, it, they, they, they have nothing else. Okay, there's, there's that. No, Yeah, there's no the Pelicans, big business. But, you know. I mean, there's no big business there outside of hotel and oh, hospitality. Oh, oh. I got you. Like, that is their business. Mm. I mean, you have some oil. Yeah, and, they love that team. Yeah, yeah. That's So it's hard. Like, those people... The wait list is forever, and they're just waiting on that. And yeah. so it's the same fun feel in Green Bay. You can That's feel it when I'm you're there. Shocked, shocked by hearing that about Green Bay. I didn't but watch. It was the, shocking to everybody. Yeah, like, I didn't watch the game. I, I caught the score a little bit. I was at a restaurant. I was out of town. So. Sure. Um, but for the the Panthers games, and I talked about this with Smitty yesterday. You know, he took a little shot at the fans on the way out, basically, but not not fans in general. I don't want to be unfair to Smitty. What I think he was pointing to the fans who were selling out to opposing fans every game. He was like, stop selling your tickets to opposing fans. How do you know who they're opposing fans? Well, you can, okay? And I've actually had a lot of listeners and fans reach out to me in the past 12 hours. I woke up to like five DMs this morning from fans and you know, people like telling me stories about how they've had those PSLs in the lower bowl mm -hmm. for 20 years, 25 years, and that they were their parents, you know, or they were their grandfather's tickets. They got passed down or whatever, and you know, that those people used to go, but over the years with you know, the, the losing, and a lot of them blame it on David Tepper and you know, the, everything else, it's like, they said, look, we don't want to go. And so we're selling our tickets and we're getting 3X, 4X, you know, face value. And it's like, okay. I mean, if you've got a, a face value seat there for, I don't know how much they are. Let's say they're $100. And somebody's offering you 400 bucks, you know, in this, this economy. You'd like to think you could sell to Panthers fans exclusively, but, you know. Now i got to let that rise, son. But, I mean, what do the Panthers do about that? Because it's become consistent. The entire lower bowl behind the visitor's bench at Bank of America Stadium, every single week – is loaded with opposing fans every mm. week. Like, it's been consistently that way for at least a couple of years now since I've been paying attention to it. Um, I would say they got to win, Kyle. Uh, you have to. That's the only Th that thing. That is gonna... the only thing that cures and well, fixes all this. You, you got to win. You were you were a part of it, and Cam was talking about it on his podcast the other day. He was like, what did he say? He said, I had, he said, I had future, and I had Jeezy on the sidelines, and all that. But the, to the point, like, y'all were winning. You were exciting. You had swagger and charisma. People wanted to be there. They wanted to be there. It was the place to be. It was the place and to be. And it's not the place to be right now. No. And the end zones was where you wanted to be because Cam or somebody was going to give a football away right. to a kid. Right. So, like, you, you got to have that to bring in the sense of community. You got to win. And right now, people are way more frustrated with the activities that are going on at Bank of America Stadium than they are, uh, in, than they are of being prideful of the things that are going on there. And – it can be fixed. It's not a forever thing as much as it's like we need to win now thing. It has to be a sense of growth, a sense of like we're in a race to improve. Like every day we have to have a race to improve. Every single one of us in here, coaches and players including, it'll be interesting to see how this team continues to try to evolve. 
And um, but they need to win as bad as possible right now, just to be able to stop the bleeding, and 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 give somebody okay, we got a heartbeat, we got a pulse, and I don't even know if it has to look pretty. It, I'd be great if they can come out and just score like 35 points, 40 points. But I don't even think this team is close to scoring 25, 24 points right now. No. You no. know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, the offense is a train wreck. And it doesn't make sense what they're doing, at least based on expectations, right? They kept five tight ends on this roster. All we what heard, are you going to do with five tight ends? Well, all we heard coming in, you know, Frank loves, you know, two tight end sets. Frank loves to get heavy and use tight ends. I, did, I thought Hayden Hurst forgot about the game on Sunday for a while. I didn't see him anywhere. I, I thought that maybe he got his times mixed up and Hayden Hurst wasn't on the sidelines, right? And, and then you got Ian Thomas out there. There's a decent blocking tight end, but, you know, lets the ball bounce off his face in the end zone. Um, you know, and you just wonder. I, Miles Sanders doesn't look good behind this offensive line. Um, I know they were opening up four-lane highways for him in Philly, and that's not happening right now. But at the same time, Chuba's running a lot better with the same offensive line. Like, Chuba's not stutter-stepping when he takes the handoff. Chuba's hitting the hole, and he's picking up positive yardage every single time. And everybody noticed it. And Frank just kept pushing Miles out there for the first, you know, large portion of that game. And everybody's like, hey, it is obvious who the more productive back is here today. I know you just paid Miles, but you might want to give Chuba a few more touches here because it's working when you do. Um, You know, then there's the – I mean, just avalanche of, of wide receiver screens on Sunday. Yeah, I didn't understand that one either. Once I saw about five, I'm like, dude, is this like the game plan? Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, right. Is this the game plan? Well, I saw Josh Norris tweet away. He was like, it's almost like the game plan was, okay, if all the gaps are full, you got to check to a wide receiver screen, and it just happened over and over and over again. <laughs> After the fifth one, I was like, dude, I think this is the game is plan. Is this the game plan? <laughs> yes. I hope this isn't the game plan. I hope not. But it looks like the game plan. Yeah, because like – I mean, I like throwing a wide receiver screen every now and then, especially when teams are blitzing you sure. and overwhelming you because right. now I get the ball out quick and I want these guys that are trying to go hit the quarterback to now have to put a foot in the ground, retrace, and go chase down a, um, a wide receiver in space, right? And maybe one all we need is a block or two and then we can kind of spring something. But, bro, they were running on like first down, no blitz. Yeah. It's like, ah, throw it out there. <laughs> And they weren't even throwing it to the right guy. Like, I'm not – National. Right. Give it to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when they finally did, it worked. But yeah, they he's kept, kind of, yeah, I know. I saw that one. Yeah. I did see that one. I mean, that, back that was about to the back, fourth it one. worked. Right? That was like the fourth and probably fifth one. And but that's what I'm saying. I'm like, dude, I think this is the game. Stop point. throwing it to TMJ. At least give it to Chenault. All that talk about using Chenault like Debo Samuel before the season, and y'all have ignored him for the better part of three games. And here you are throwing you know wide receiver screens over and over again, and it's not even to Chenault. <laughs> so what are you doing out here? That's why people are so upset with Frank Reich this week, because he's the play caller, right? And you're supposed to – if you're going to be the play caller – you know, you also, by the way, have to handle game management, clock management, things like that. And you're not getting it all done. You burn 20 seconds at the end of the first half with two timeouts. You could have run at least two more plays. And the whole stadium's yelling, Frank, well, that's not true because it was 60% Vikings fans. But the Panthers fans that were in the building, you know, were saying, are you going to call a timeout? Are you going to call a timeout? Frank, are you going to call a timeout? <laughs> right? Everybody's just – the whole press box, my corner of the press box, is muttering. Is he going to call a timeout? This guy, he's got. He's, does he know he has two timeouts? It's like Mike McCarthy level of clock management. Uh, it, it's just bad. So you got to ask questions this week. You're zero and four. You you drafted this supercomputer brained quarterback out of Alabama who's just wise <laughs> beyond his years and can lead you know meetings in in his first training camp with thirty five grown men. He's so brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like a constipated shit offense 
that's reducing the field to 30 yards because nobody's running vertical routes. Yeah, you talked to me about that. You're like, you know, I was in the press box, and uh, and I'm looking like, why nobody like sprinting back downfield? Like, Ever. To, to huddles, just like because they ran like this 50-yard bomb. Right. It's like, we don't we ain't seen that. Right. People are asking, why aren't they taking any deep shots? Because there's no one to throw it to because they're not running any vertical routes. Nobody, there's, not a, there's not a deep – there's nothing. nothing. And I just don't understand it, man. I really it's frustrating. don't. But then when Andy Dalton's out there against Seattle, you're taking the deep shots. Now, they did take one deep shot to DJ Chark yesterday, and they got a flag out of it, but it was, so it was productive. Do it again. Do it some yeah. more. But when you say one, one. in a whole 60-minute game, that was the only opportunity. That was it. Yeah, he I, didn't. He didn't attempt to pass beyond twenty-one yards outside of that one. So for me, I'm to the point where sometimes it's a mentality like, man, you know, you you if you call a game aggressively, your players will naturally react that way. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Absolutely. Or if you tell them, okay, we're gonna be a little conservative here. Our mindset is going to be, all right, we need to be a little bit more conservative in these situations. And then, like, I'll never forget. I'm playing for Greg Williams, and Greg used to come talk to me before the game, just kind of let me know. Because the position I was playing, um, a lot of offenses would try and react or understand if we're blitzing or what are we doing based upon my looks. So I knew that and understood that. And so as I've continued to get better at where addressing my looks, he wanted to just let me know what he was thinking early. So then I knew what I could be showing, what I could be doing, how I need to address the whole situation and looks. And I appreciate that, that responsibility. And so he's like, hey, look, I know they think we're going to blitz. We blitz. We, like, lead the league in blitz. And, like, I know that. He said, but, look, this is what I'm going to do. First, third down. I don't care the down and distance. We're going to play cover two. And the quarterback's going to drop back thinking we're coming. And he's going to be like, 1,001, he's going to throw the ball. And then I'm going to continue to just play easy, play continue to play zone every third down until I hear in my head when I count to 1,001, 1,002, 1,000, I'm going to heat him up the rest of the fucking game. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, but I want to set that mentality early. I want him to get comfortable because after that, we coming to get him. Yeah. So the mindset in which you call a game, that is where I've really grown and tried to learn, like, okay, it is an art to it. You, it. It's not just Madden where I like a couple plays and we're just doing these things. It's an art to when you do things, how you set them up, the, the timing in which you call these plays, when you take shot plays. Like, we, ha- we all have DNA in us that uh, that – that, that's what makes us who we are. Even the guys that are great at calling plays on Madden, yeah. they still got their own DNA. Sure. Like, they're going to do these certain things in certain times. So, it's um, – but that's just a great living example of, like, you know, but if he knows, like, hey, get your piss hot early, we coming to get him. Yep. Like, I know my number's getting called early. We about to go try and fire this thing up. But mentality-wise, my mind is different. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Oh, of course. And, and so as an offense, when you're out there and it's just nothing but layered crossing routes and curls and flats and nobody's going – I mean, you're, you're putting your own offense to sleep, aren't you? I mean, you're, you're, you're putting your own guys to sleep because they see you not giving them a chance to make real big plays. Well, not only that, but, like, the defense, I'm sitting back and, bro, I'm sitting on everything. Like, you motherfuckers ain't running by nobody. <laughs> sitting. Right. And if, they, and if they run by me, I'll react. 
Jesse Bates, week one in Atlanta, right? Chark's not even on the field, so everybody knows they don't have a deep threat. So what's Bates doing, right? He's sitting. You know, he's just sitting, and he's lurking, sitting. and he's waiting in the weeds, and he got Bryce twice. And, and, and that, that's another one where you point to Frank because, you know, after – did you see where Frank said that in the postgame press conference Sunday? He was like, I tried to call a play for Adam Thielen, but he wasn't on the field. Who like, said that? Out loud. What do you, as a former professional football player, think about that? I'm curious. Why did he say that? I mean, he's a very honest man. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Clear, I I'm honest too, Kyle. Yeah. But if I'm out on a boys weekend with my, du- my boys and maybe we go to a strip club, I'm not like just telling my wife like – Oh man, we went to a strip club and like it just was like this one girl was so ugly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like what? Yeah, don't need to share that. Don't need to share it. Don't need to share it. Yeah, if they specifically ask you about the play, maybe you talk about it. But you know, maybe I would have liked to have maybe Thielen in on that play or something like that. You know, just a veteran presence, being able to set the route up a little bit better. How much better does that sound? What I just said than what he said? Sure. Or just omit the entire story. Don't tell it. There's lots of other mistakes that you can expound upon. It's fine. Like, it's, like if I'm out, if I'm out of town, like my, I don't ever have fun, Kyle, unless my wife is. It's there. all work. All work. No play. Nope. Nope. No play. I'm at work. I'm eating dinner. I'm reading the Bible. I'm going to bed. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That is it, Kyle. We just made ourselves suspects with this segment. I don't care. It's truth. I don't. And anybody that does otherwise probably should listen to us. Yes. Yes. I. I it's a tough time to be a Charlotte sports fan. It's a tough time to be a Panthers fan because you just got to be excited the whole offseason. Look, the, the owner invested in all these NFL coaches, right? They went and got the number one overall pick. They drafted this just all-American kid, Heisman Trophy winner out of Alabama, right? It's going to be nothing but just absolute enjoyment from here you, on you ready, out. You ready for me to kick you while you're down? Sure. Because I was at work yesterday, and um, I had um, one of my – one of my co-workers asked me, he's like, so the Panthers, if they just keep losing, will they like be able to get the number one <laughs> overall pick to get Caleb Williams? I was like, except they traded it to Chicago. Yep, and which means if they are extremely awful, Chicago will end up with the potentially first and second picks in the NFL draft. As of today, Chicago has the first and second picks in the NFL draft, courtesy of your Carolina Panthers. I didn't mean to kick you while you were down. No, you didn't. I mean, you're not kicking me. Like I root for the home team, but like I'm a big boy. We all see how this works. (laughs) It's just so funny. And look, and I said it last week, Kyle, even though they were 0-3, I said, hey, could be worse. You could be Chicago Bears. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know if it's worse at this point. It also begs the question, if Carolina does turn out to be that bad or possibly that bad, do they go ahead and, say, trade Brian Burns to recoup a first-round pick in this upcoming draft? Because they'll still get one first-round pick. That Rams deal is not on the table anymore, the two firsts and the second. That's long gone, and I still don't know exactly what L.A. was thinking. But, um, you know, they could still get a first. You didn't see the T-shirts? What? Oh. That's what L.A. was thinking. Oh, fuck them picks? Yeah, fuck them picks. (laughs) (laughs) Like, bro. Dude, you know what LA's thinking? What you mean? What was I don't know what LA's thinking. I'm like, I do. I do. Everybody Look, knows. Remember you the see t-shirt that right there? <laughs> yeah. Fuck them picks. That's what they think. <laughs> That's what they <laughs> they, they put it out there for the world. Um but no, it's it's a it's a very depressing thought. And um, you know, the, you also contrast that with the fact that they've got a significant amount of cap space this offseason. So they're gonna be able to spend some dough, you know, bring some talent in here off the street if they want to, but uh, you know Who's gonna wanna come? 
Well, be, even before you get to that, are you going to let the current GM handle all of that? You know, because, you know, obviously you're in a position where you don't have that first round pick, which is not ideal. Do you want him? And I'm asking the question. Do you want Scott Fitterer to handle that deal if you decide that you don't want to pay Brian Burns what he wants and you're better off still trading him at this point? And then do you trust that general manager to spend that money in the offseason? Um, those are questions you got to ask, too. Now, coming from a personal note here, Kyle, I, to me, it all runs all the way up the flag on this one. Ownership. Yes. It's like, does he want to be involved in all the deals that the Panthers have made? Because the Panthers have traded away way too many third-rounders, fourth-round, fifth-round. Like, these are picks that build the foundation of your organization. You look up two, three, four years away. Like, some of these guys got to be starters for you, like real contributors on your team. You ready for a stat? I'm scared of this stat because <laughs> um, I know, like, I'm assuming how bad it's been because I don't even know. Like, this, outside of first-round picks, they do not hit here. Yeah. Haven't hit. Um, I got to go find the exact number, but it was, it was a small window of years, I believe. Um, but Carolina is responsible for the fewest amount of drafted players on rosters right now in the NFL, mm. um, which speaks directly to their acumen or lack thereof in drafting the last several years. Uh, I think they only have, across all NFL rosters, only 38 players were drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Uh, dead last. Contrast that to, I think, the leading team was like 85, 88, something oh, wow. along those lines. I think that's right. I'm going to try to – it's Jason from Over the Cap who tweeted it out a handful of weeks ago. I, I just know – I remember the year they went all defensive draft, right? Matt Rule's first year. It was like – Yes. Really jumped out. I'm like, dude, what – what what who did that? Who, who? And I'm, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, but at least when the Saints draft, traded their whole draft for Ricky Williams, it was like, bro, you got Ricky Williams. Like, we can go to the crib now. We good. <laughs> like, we good. Set. Set. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> whole draft. Yeah, good. Uh, Set. Man, it, it's just um, – well, I'm trying to find you the stat. It's I mean, okay, just, uh, Kyle. But it's no, bad. It's really but bad. But, no, so this is what I've noticed. And so when, when I was – and I can only compare it to, like, where I've been. Um, but, like, you know, in New Orleans, we we drafted a running back in the third round. We let him go for Pierre Thomas, a free agent. Yeah. Played nine years. Went to Saints Hall of Fame. Sure. You know, like, you got a hit on a Zach Streif, who played 13 years, drafted him in the seventh round. Mm -hmm. You know, a Marcus Colson, seventh round. Like, yeah. You got a hit on some of these guys. Even my boy Rob Nikovich was drafted in the fifth round. It's just like you, you need to hit on some of these dudes that like like something. Yep. Because that's like where the foundation piece is like when like injuries happen, when JC goes down, who's putting in who's playing for JC? Just a guy we you know what I'm saying? Yep. You traded for Henderson, but he's been kind of banged up and he's been up and down anyways his whole career. And like I just it's been a real struggle they're in a bad spot right now it's been a real they're, struggle they're in a bad spot right now and the last thing I'll say about this because I do want to move on but you know to me we've it, been on this the whole time well yeah but I mean we also live here so you know it's yeah. not that shocking well we did talk about some 85s but like um there are a lot of you know this has opened the floodgates to Bryce Young is a bust you know Bryce Young was the wrong pick Bryce Young is too small we shouldn't have shouldn't have taken Bryce Young or Young um and especially now that's being amplified um, or, you know, 
exacerbated by the fact that C.J. Stroud is like setting rookie records through well, four games. Well, you'll always be compared to the people you draft. Absolutely. And That's then, natural. And Anthony Richardson accounted for three touchdowns on Sunday. Oh, yeah, he's doing great in fantasy because he's running the ball. Out sure. Too. So, you know, that's going on at the same time, which is not great. But but what's their offense? Right. You look at Houston's wide receivers, these young pups balling. Why, why didn't Carolina take Tank Dell in the third round instead of D.J. Johnson? You just took a quarterback. Who's D.J. Johnson? The yeah right exactly a guy <laughs> exactly that a guy who played at Oregon who's almost like 25 years old that they took because he's a physical specimen but you know never reached his potential at Oregon and is he dressed they once this season no he got a no so two out of four games he's gotten a helmet made no impact um, you know and I'm not rooting against the kid obviously but you know when he when Scott Fitterer traded up in the third round for the <laughs> second year in a row. Took Matt That's Corral last year, yeah, yeah, did yeah. it again this year to take a 24-year-old project edge rusher that was on Bruce Feldman's freak list for a couple of years because he's an athletic freak, but he's never done anything. And the whole fan base is like, oh, okay, well, that better work because you just did that for the second year in a row on a player that you probably could have gotten in the fourth or fifth round. Um, this one better work. And it hadn't worked. So why, why didn't you take Tank Dell in the third round instead like Houston did? Because he's running wide open. <laughs> Like C.J. Stroud's got dudes running wild, wide open. Houston was without four of their five starting offensive linemen on Sunday, and they didn't give up a sack. They didn't give up a sack, and they were without four of their starting five offensive linemen. Yeah, Damian Pierce was it six, seven round pick? Yeah, right. Why can't Carolina do that? Like they got, they brought me. They That's have, what I'm saying. Like these guys are contributing. Like sixth round, fifth round, seventh, like. These guys are contributing in big ways. I talked to my former, uh, my, my homeboy, my former teammate that's worked upstairs at the NFL for 15, 20 plus years. He's like, dude, when we get to the third round, I'm looking for starters. Like, I'm not looking for like glue guys in the third round. No rosters that said in the NFL. Like, you can still find quality starters, Trey Turner, in the third round. That was the only, that's the only one that I'm like thinking of, right? Third round guy, starter. Yeah. Like they're still out there. Yeah. But you have to go in there, you gotta dig deep and you gotta find them. This is not throwaway picks in the third round. Um, and so or reaching, like overreach in the third round. Oh yeah. And so it, these That's are still the, an important pick in a draft. Yeah, it's still winnable. These are still contributors. You should be able to find a starter in the yes, third round. Yes, you can. You yeah. can. You should Especially be able to Especially on weaker rosters. Like you can still like <laughs> Man, you, you got chances. Well, here's something else about that, too. And, again, the point I was trying to get to originally, and I never got there, was that this is, this is about, I think, roster building, and it's about coaching right now. Brady Quinn's on the TV broadcast on Sunday, and I didn't hear this because I was in the press box. But I went back, and he's talking about how the Minnesota defense, some of the players and coaches were telling him before the game of the production meeting that they'd spotted a tell in Bryce Young. And it was during his drop back, whether or not he had his chest parallel to the line of scrimmage or his chest angled to the line of scrimmage was a direct tell. In four weeks, Minnesota's been able to figure that out on tape. Why hasn't Carolina's coaching staff figured that out? They see him every day in practice. Like, nobody spotted that. So, I, people make mistakes. I'm not perfect. I'm not here to, to crush the coaching staff and, and to be, you know, excessive in that way. But it's like, okay, this coaching staff was lauded for all the money they spent. Frank Reich, Jim Caldwell – um not Jim Caldwell um yeah Jim Caldwell uh Dom Capers is or sorry Josh McCown as quarterbacks coach right you bring in the running game experts Thomas Brown and Deuce Staley um you know you got James Campen, one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL 
So you spent all this money on a coaching staff. You told us, the general manager told us during a press conference not that long ago that he and his assistant GM, Dan Morgan, compared last year's roster to this year's roster and went position by position to compare it. And aside from one spot where they thought they might be a little bit worse, they were as good or better across the board, meaning they thought they had a better football team. And their goal was to win the division. Well, now you're 0-4. You have no quality depth to speak of. And everybody's around here looking at you like, okay, well, you just gave up everything to get this kid. You got no first-round pick. What are you going to do about it? Because you can't just ride a bad season into the top pick anymore. No. You got to show something. Yeah. You got to figure – it's a bad spot, man. It's a bad spot. But anyway, moving on. Moving on. You had a good time in Lexington. I told you you were going to have a good time in Lexington. I had a blast in Lexington. Yeah, that looked like fun. That place is fun. Lexington, number one – Shout out, you know, hats off to you because you guys showed out um, the tailgating. Everybody was literally right around the stadium. And look, Kyle, on my SEC Nation show, like the fans make Which one? the show. Oh, SEC Nation. I'm yeah, sorry. The, the fans make the show. When they show up and have a great time, they're freaking loud. They're engaged. They're all into it. It's completely different. And Lexington, by far, did that the best so far this year. Um, I don't know. Texas A&M was really good, too. Texas A&M's part of a cult, though. But oh, it, without a doubt. Yeah, it, they're cool with it. They're cool. Yeah. They all drank the Kool-Aid. They know it. They're, yeah. they're good. But um, it's just really cool uh, to go somewhere like Lexington, which is not really, from in my book, like the South, um, the deep South. But It's the mountain South. We've been through this. <laughs> it's, the Appal- it's the southern Appalachian mountains, man. It, it's fine. It's Why fine. are y'all such gatekeepers about what the, the South the, is? Don't you want as many acres as possible? What's that, wrong? Come on now. That is a great point. It's a great point. I give you that. But being from Alabama, I am uh, a little bit meticulous Listen, about that. Listen, we all look at y'all differently as it is. I know. I know. They do. We're like the deep south, so it's a little different. Yeah, but, the you dirt know, I, I thought, I, you know, I get the whole bluegrass thing. We went to uh, Spendthrift uh, Farms, which is um, home to uh, a whole bunch of, like, big-time horses and all that other stuff. Um Oh my gosh! What's the name of the horse? Do you consider Tennessee the South? I need to. I need to explore this some more. Uh, you have to, Roman. Mm, Are you kidding me? A little bit. Oh my God! Tennessee, <laughs> probably more than a little bit. Roman, what else would you call Tennessee? No, it's just you know. This is what I'm talking about. I I love I love all my people from the deep South. This man drives me insane. Tennessee. I'm, I'm just saying, dog. It's like. Um, you call it the Midwest? That's ridiculous. Y'all think anything north of Macon, Georgia is... Yeah, like Tennessee's like... Mm, that's crazy, bro. That's, aight, that, they're, that's they're different regions of the South. I guess that's wild right, to me. So, so what'd you find? Um, at Spinthrift Farms, they have the most expensive stallion in uh, America. Yeah. It's like 200 and some K a pop. You know what I'm talking about? Pop that thing off in there. Oh, yeah. 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 Like two hundred some thousand dollars for them to like, yeah, and it uh, into mischief is the name. Yep. Okay. So I'm looking it up. Kentucky's a good time. Lexington, Kentucky's a good into time. Into mischief is like the number one like stallion in all of um, in America. Uh huh. Not the world. Very. It's it's crazy, and, and then like the the whole process, and they also got. A big time female horse. She raced till she was six years old. I'm not. It's slipping my mind right now. But um, she's actually pregnant with one of the other stallions out there, and it's just really cool. These horses are gigantic. Uh huh. And and not trying to like brag or throw too much out there, but they were like, yeah, she's probably worth like 
80 to 85 million. Oh my God. <laughs> That's I'm like, bro, you get like, what? Hey, I'm telling you, the horse business. <laughs> like, what? It's so funny because, like, and I, it's really not so much as like, she's a great racer. She's super fast, but it's like also her lineage. Her well, lineage, I know, though, I know. It's like, that's what it is. She's produced champions. Yes, 1,000%. And she was a champion herself. True. And so, like, it just keeps, and she's produced multiple, multiple breeders, cups, all these other stuff. And so, you, I'm looking, I'm like, bro, what? Yeah. The, the stallion, who's not even as good of a racehorse, but he just has popped off really good ones. He's worth like 150, 125. Good lord! I'm like, I'm in the wrong business. Yeah, and the funny thing is, like, Kyle, they got all this land, all this acreage, and it's beautiful to see, man. Like, they, it's just immaculate. And uh, I had never been to anything like that, and it was just really cool to see that for them to allow us to go out there and see it and film and be a part of that and really meet the people that are running it. They were awesome people. Um, the one lady, uh, Nicole, she her mind for it was like off the chain. She knew. Who was doing this? What kids they produced? This, 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 and it really is about your your lineage. The first that's time left I behind. yeah, the first time I learned about that because like my my grandfather my, my grandfather kept horses behind his house. So when we would go, you know, to to see because mo- both my parents are from the same you know neck of the woods, actually heading toward Kentucky down in the mountains of southwestern Virginia. So both sides of my family are from down there, and my, one of my grandfathers kept horses behind his house growing up. Now, you know, those horses were for riding. But they were also for working. They were for, you know, they just, he kept horses, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm around horses pretty much my entire life as a kid coming up. They put, us, they put us up in a saddle and taught us how to ride when we were kids. We'd ride them around the front yard and everything else. The first time, though, that I learned about not just the horse racing industry, but what people paid for horses and what certain horses were worth. I remember asking one of my parents, I was like, so wait, do we have like a $50 million horse back there too? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure he got that when he traded that one at the flea market. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, those aren't race horses, right? But that's a massive, massive business that, massive. I, that most people just can't fathom. Like you said, people rattling off the various bloodlines and generations yes. of racehorses yeah. yeah. and who they were bred by and what champions they produce. Yes. It is a different universe, man. That, that's Jake what Delone, I'm Jake DeLome's in that world. He is, he is. I he, talk to Jake on the show all the time, you know, mostly about football. But anytime there's a racehorse... He lights up. Uh, yeah, lights up. He wants to talk about it. <laughs> he and he's a up. defender of the, the industry, too. Like, horse racing does make me uneasy. Because I just don't – I've never been into it. I don't mm-hmm. – the horses that die, I can't stand the way that the, some of these horses are treated. But oh, I under- – Not there. They're all, they're all in burial sites. Oh, yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. They, they've – Right. You can see they got all their whole uh, – um, I know not everybody in the business is a bad person. I yeah, get that. Yeah, yeah. You know, but there are a whole lot of Bob Bafferts and Bob Baffert wannabes and you know, a lot of horrible things done to these animals. So I, I'm not into it, but I understand there are people who are. And my – God, the money that's attached to that industry is ridiculous. You know, one thing that I didn't know that I learned while I was out there is that, number one, horses, those race horses, they're not as smart as, like, normal horses. Like, they don't. They're bred to do one thing. Do, that is what they do. They're bred to do one thing. One thing, and that is run freaking yeah. fast. Yeah. Like, if you, like, don't control them, bro, they are out of there. That's what they do. And they're also ultra, ultra aggressive. Like, yeah. Like, they can't be in the same with each other like you know they got the fences and stuff they oh, got yeah. room to run but they can't be around these other horses like all the stallions the males they can't be around other males no they'll try and fight and like hurt each other uh, so they can get very my grandfather had two that would bite each other yeah right? and like bite each other to the point where it required veterinary care <laughs> right and, 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 oh, like these things can be very very mean, yeah yeah man. yeah and they're they but god i love them 
They're so I, I love. They're horses. beautiful horses, and it's, it's huge. Some of these things are really big. It was just really cool because that was something I'd never that is done. Cool. So no, shout looked, out, it, shout out to Lexi. It looked like a good time. I also have to ask you: At what point did you become tired of the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift stuff? Because my wife and I think most of the wives and girlfriends out there are still digging it, but most of the dudes that I know are pretty well over Swift and Kelsey. Kyle, I was over it last week. I, I told you, you that. I know. Maybe them just let them be mammals and animals and, and hook up and do what they need to do. And then outside of that, bro, I don't care. And honestly, my, I told you, and I told one of our makeup ladies this because she's a big uh, Swifty. And uh, my man Jordan Rogers is too, uh, self-proclaimed. And so my only problem is that football, we have our lane. Swifties, you have your lane. They're right. not the same lane. Right. Right. Maybe somebody comes in and out every now and then, but majority of the time they're in theirs and we're in ours. But these Swifties have like merged over into our lane, pretty much cut us off and act like she has uplifted Travis Kelsey. When I'm like, bro, this guy Ben Baller, like they don't know that. They I, that's the problem. If I hear one more <laughs> Swift put Travis Kelsey on the map, I'm just like, come on, we all know better. What are you talking? <laughs> like we get it. She's enormous. Everybody understands that. I'm Worldwide cool that. superstar, cool. But this man's Ben. One of the greatest tight ends of all time for a minute. And Not only that, but I'm just going to be 100% honest, and maybe I offend somebody when I say this, but uh -oh. I don't. I ain't going to apologize for it. Uh -oh. But he's probably slept with Hotter, all right? Ooh. No, I'm not arguing with you. Taylor Swift, I mean, she looks good. She's attractive, but, like, she ain't, like, this by pure looks. You take away everything that she's accomplished, which I know you can't do that. I oh, get no. it. Oh, I'm no. just going They're gonna cancel strictly you for this. of looks. They're going to cancel you for I this. I don't care. You can't cancel me off my own podcast. I know I can't do that. <laughs> We're still going to show up and do it next week. I don't care. I'm just saying he's probably – I mean, he's probably – he is probably the hottest thing she's ever been with. I don't know if I would say the opposite. I, I can't speak to that. But I do – my theory is there are babies coming at some point, right? And, hey, I could end up being wrong about this. But this is just straight-up natural selection stuff. Most women, in my experience, prefer masculine men, big strapping men. I think she'd prefer to have Travis Kelsey's genes in her children as opposed to, let's say, um, Harry Styles. You no know, doubt. just going to throw that out there, right? That's one thing. Second thing, to your point about Taylor Swift, I had to explain that to my wife, too. Because she was like, because I told her, she was, I was like, I don't, I've never really been into Taylor Swift like that. And she's like, bullshit. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, first of all, look at you, right? Like, I, I, we all have a type. Yeah. Mine is olive skin and brown hair. It's not, you know, girl next door, bottle blonde. Like, that's not – well, that's not nice. I'm sure her hair is naturally blonde. I don't know anything about that, whatever. <laughs> but I'm just saying, it's not really my type. So, yeah, I'm telling you right now, I've never fawned over Taylor Swift one day in my life. Most guys – I don't know about most. I, I oh, no, it. I know some for sure. Yeah, that's fine. I know some for sure. For those that are into it. But for me, no. It's not my thing. And so she, like, didn't believe me at first. She, like, thought – I think they think that every guy is attracted to Taylor Swift or loves Taylor Swift, like, at the same magnitude that most women seem to love Taylor Swift. And it's like, no, I don't <laughs> – I acknowledge her greatness. She's, That's it. She's rich and powerful. And, I and think she's great. Very popular. I have no haterade you know, flowing None. from me to her. Not my type. Not into it. Not into so, it. So, yeah. That's, I, that's about the extent. It's been interesting to watch. She doesn't need the NFL for anything. So, people that are screaming, this is a stunt. This is a stunt. It's like, okay, but for, why would she participate in it? She already turned down the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, she, don't she, need she didn't need it. She doesn't need the Super Bowl's publicity. Travis Kelsey doesn't make her more famous. So, you know, is there something I'm missing here? I don't think it's a stunt, but I also don't really, you know, care all that much. <laughs> I don't either. I, 
it's hard to like my I will say watching my wife who is not a professional football fan in any sense like so she looked at me on Sunday Roman she's like you want to watch this Chiefs Jets game I'm like wasn't planning on it but um sure we can do that like I was I was thinking about catching up on some entourage uh re-watching that but sure if you want to watch Chiefs Jets on Sunday night yeah I mean I guess I should I'm a sports talk radio host I but should probably do it I could I could check out the condensed replay in the morning um you know but we watched it we did watch it. I, look, man, I thought it was a good game. I feel bad. I think the Jets kind of got cheated. They got Kansas City a little bit. They did um, get Kansas City a little bit. <laughs> it's like, dude. It did happen. It's like, I feel bad for them. Like, the Jets have gone through a lot in four weeks. Like, yeah. a lot emotionally. Yeah. Like, everything. And so, um, I, after sitting through that Panthers game on Sunday in the press box, I did not want to watch any more football on Sunday night. It, it, had, it had been ruined for me. I didn't want to watch it. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, speaking of Entourage, when's the last time? Have you seen the, the, the series Entourage on HBO? I've seen a lot of it. Okay. Not it's all. one of my favorite shows of all time. Yeah, you've told me that. Rewatching it with my wife. And, and this is probably just a normal thing. But rewatching it with her, the era of like two. Th- when did that show come out? 2004? Uh, I don't know what I just said there. It wasn't a number or an American English word. Um, but I think it, came, it was early to 2004. So it came out in 2004. I don't know about you, but I was 18. I was in college. Okay. My best. So we're about the same, roughly the same age. Like Entourage might be, and I think is the most bro show of all time. It, it probably is. So like it's very bro show. Most dudes, if they watched Entourage, liked Entourage because it was really about one of your boys getting rich and hanging out with your boys all the time. All the time. And everybody else just gets something around it. Right. Exactly. And then you throw in Ari Gold, the super agent. Oh, my God. Who is like the most non-PC, offensive, angry, and hilarious motherfucker in the history of television. Yeah. He used to talk. I think the best part was how he had a, um, the gay assistant. And he, he would Lloyd. Say, he would say. Lloyd! The, he would say <laughs> the most outlandish things to him. Like, just. And Lloyd would just take it off. Like, eh, it's, mm-hmm. it's good done. The most flagrantly homophobic, <laughs> yeah, insulting. Like, like, oh, all, oh, right? Yes. And it's like. They, they would be picketing outside of HBO's headquarters if they tried to make that show yeah, today. Yeah, But it's one of my favorite shows of all time. I, I think it's um, one of the greatest shows ever. It's not the same. It's not the the other one is um, that's like that is, uh, oh, my gosh. What's the name of it? With the, he was the baseball player. Um, but oh, Eastbound and Down. Eastbound and Down. Kenny Powers. Oh, my gosh. Kenny Powers. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That's another great one that most people would not be able to handle. No, that style. one was one. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, you're talking about the same era of my two favorite HBO series of <laughs> all time. Really good, yeah. Entourage and Eastbound and Down. I mean, I... Uh, you got to ask my wife one time about that because she loved Eastbound and Down, and then she loved it so much, she was like, I got to let Miss Harper see this movie. And then after about seven F-bombs, a couple porn references, <laughs> and some boobs, <laughs> she was like, what was I thinking to think I should show this to Roman's mom? <laughs> I was like... Why was I thinking that? Oh, yeah. This is good. Well, we were watching it last week. My mom came into town, and my, Camille looked at me, and she was like, don't turn on Entourage while your mom's here. And I was like, why? I used to watch it all the time while she was around. She watched, like, Sex in the City when I was a kid growing up yeah. on HBO and would tell me to get the hell out of the room. I'm like, it's fine. And as soon as I turn it on, the first thing is, like, a porn scene. Yeah. And I'm sitting, like, next, you know, I'm sitting next to mom, and Camille's like, I fucking told you not to turn that on. But, I mean, you know, it's one of the, the greatest shows ever made. I'm not mad at you for that. I like it. It's one of the greatest shows ever made. So what is where are they sending you this week, by the way? 
Uh, we are going to Athens, Georgia. Kentucky oh. at Georgia. Should be fun. You can see the uh, Cats two weeks in a row? Yeah, man. Two out of the last three undefeated teams in the SEC left. It's going to be a battle. Um, we'll see if Kentucky's ready to uh, to really step up to the plate. I mean, they ran the ball all over um, Georgia. I mean, uh, Florida last week. They, they just took advantage of some bad defense by Florida. I thought schematically Florida – just not doing some things correct way. Uh, and they took complete advantage of it. And then I'm looking at, as far as what George is doing, they got to get off to a faster start. Their, their slow starts are really – Are they getting put, better? Because their schedule allowed for them to ramp up. Right, right, and, right. And so people are, were, have been looking at George like, okay. I think the quarterback's playing – I think Carson Beck's playing better. Because that was the big the big key. But, yeah, but they, they got some holes here and there that they got to try and – one big thing is they got to start faster. They can't continue to let – they can't play with your food. You can't play with your food all the time. Mm-mm. Can't do it. They will get you and, at some point. Um, I, I got a question for you, Kyle, a follow-up, is that there's only three undefeated teams left in the SEC. And some of the top-tier teams that everybody expected to be great in the SEC lost Aren't. outside the conference early. Yeah. Does the SEC have a team in the playoffs? Who? It's got to be Georgia. Yeah, if but anybody. what if Georgia doesn't win it? that's a great question Roman um there's a lot of ball left to be played there's a lot of ball left to be played for sure but do you think it's anybody other than Georgia I I I think it's other possibilities but things got to go right it's other possibilities but things have to go right I just don't think anybody's perfect I think this is one of the most diverse fields that the SEC's ever seen before I mean Alabama's what four and one. They don't look like the same team they used to look like. All right, so if it's not Georgia, I mean, sorry, if it's, I don't know, man. I, I think it's 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 super super. Kentucky's five and zero, oh, but they've got such a big hill to climb, and I guess obviously they have to win this weekend. That's the first thing they have to do. But yeah, I mean, I get if they if Kentucky beats Georgia, let's just say that happens, right? They go in there and they upset Georgia between the hedges. Where do they jump from twenty to. 10, 11? Yeah. Because that puts them in range with yeah. half the season left to go. You yes. keep winning at that point if you're con- – and I know it's far-fetched because it's Kentucky. Um, but at the same time, it's not Kentucky. Like, Mark Stoops has a good program like you and I yeah. talked about. They develop players. They've never won anything yet. No. But he has really turned that into a respectable, consistently winning program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think – Second longest tenured coach in the SEC. Damn right. Uh, Mizzou's not winning anything, if that's what you're asking me. Um, Missouri is un- the only other undefeated team. I know. But, I, like – I, Look, I, I'm just saying it's an interesting conversation I will never to be pick had. Missouri, a Midwestern school in the Southeastern Conference, to win it. You want to talk about geography? Let's talk about geography. The Southeastern Conference, the gatekeepers of who's in the South, added Missouri. I don't know why they did when they did. I know know why, because Virginia Tech turned down the bid, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) He's still salty. Damn right. Still salty. Damn right. Yes. All we get to cheer for in black. My guys look good on Saturday night. But still two and three, still lost to Marshall the week before that. Ooh. You know, still. I thought this was going to be a different year. Well, I, honestly, the drones kid. I told you before the season. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the drones, drones kid. He looks like the real deal. They finally played him and turned him loose. Plus, they were without their their top two wide receivers. One of them still not back. But I mean, they they hung what thirty eight Saturday night. Big plays, fifty four yard touchdown pass. The drones is you know running it all over the field. He's a monster. He's like six three, two thirty. Love I, it. Yeah, that's what – it's the Michael Vick, Tyrod Taylor, Marcus Vick, Logan Thomas. That's what you guys have been used to Dual threat quarterback, you know, 
you're going to have to stop in both ways. And when you got a guy like that, it opens things up. You know that. I do. I mean, yeah, a guy that can sit back in the pocket and dice you up is awesome. But short of that, if you got a dude who can hurt you with his legs too, good luck defending him. So, um, but yeah, we've had to like just settle for being being. We've had to settle for for a decade now of the first week of college football. We show out in Blacksburg and remind everybody how great the fans are, how formidable the place can be to play, and then we just lose games, right? So, <laughs> so hopefully that's turning around now. Um, I was pretty despondent after Marshall um, because it, it, it's just nothing to get – there hasn't been much to get excited about on Saturday mornings. No, I get it. I'm watching it. Look at what they did on – Can I, I'm going off in a soapbox here for a second. Saturday night. One and three football team. They are one and three, welcoming in one and three Pittsburgh to Blacksburg. Now, mind you, many of these fans drive three hours from Richmond, four and a half, five hours from Virginia Beach, yeah. four hours, four and a half hours, depending on traffic, from Northern Virginia, D.C. Um, you know, and God knows where else. You got people driving up from a lot of folks from Charlotte and Lake Norman, too. But one and three football teams, they sell that bitch out on Saturday night, white out, sold out. Nearly 70,000 people going nuts, you know, for a team that has largely looked like shit and just lost to Marshall last week. I have people, co-workers that said Virginia Tech's one of the best environments they've ever been to. Notre Dame, Dame fan. I, I record, I've got a video of one that when Notre Dame came to town two years ago, I took Smoke, and Smoke was just, you know, blown away by the place. But the Notre Dame fan was like, listen, I've been to the big house, I've been to the shoe, I've been here, I've been there. He's like, this is the best environment I've ever been in. And that's debatable. Everybody thinks they have a great environment. You, Alabama's got a great one. Clemson's got a great one. Our fans are kind of But we're proud of that, right? We're yep. still very proud of the fact that we care about college football in Blacksburg. But the football's just, you know, been very mediocre to terrible for the better part of a decade now. And so, uh, you know, hopefully Saturday night was a sign of things to come. But real quick, juxtapose that to y'all. You're 4-1. and one. What are you ranked, 11 this week? Right? Who? Alabama. Yeah. And we, got, and, we got, and we got people questioning whether or not Nick Saban should go. Go where? Home. Permanently. Or to the college game day set. Kyle, I, I'm not even going to answer that. Oh, you don't have to. There, there's no way. I don't need you to. Yeah. Like, because Nick Saban decides when he leaves. Oh, we all and know you know that. what? Talking about the game day set, dude, having that guy, Kim, Kim – uh, Kim Jong. Oh, my God. From The Hangover. Hilarious. Oh, he's a funny man. Hilarious last week. Did you see him on stage? Hmm. Oh, my gosh. So, um, Coach, um, oh, my gosh. Corso? Yep, Lee Corso. Lee Corso picks Notre Dame. Kim Jong picks Duke because he went there. Of course. Dude, hilarious. This dude's, like, dancing all in front of the camera. He's like (laughs) – Barely, like, sticking his head up. He's sticking his tongue all out. Bro, the shit was fucking hilarious, Kyle. You have to look this up on ESPN. Like, you got to find it. I will. This was so funny, dog. I was dying laughing what he did on, on game day. He also gave a shout-out to his favorite teacher, uh, Ho, again, which is hilarious. Yeah. He, he, that he gets away with this every time. He's like, ESPN, how dare you? All right? How dare you? <laughs> He's, he's like, I'm just trying to shout out my home. And he's like, he totally plays it off every time. He gets away with it. So, love it. It's good. But, all right. We got to wrap. Um, we, this was a, a much more Panther-heavy episode than I think we expected. Yeah, man, but, you, but we need, got you the, need to get that off. But we got the poison out. Yeah. We got the demons out. out. I yeah. think we provided some things. I don't know if we did or not. But we, we it was cathartic. It was therapeutic. Well, you can't say things. You can say things here that you can't say on the radio. Very true. It's always good. Very true. Although you will hear this on the radio here in the next week or two. Therapeutic. uh, 86 coming up.